it came true. It's Rob Lowe, Snow White, and the dumbest things the Oscars ever did this week on Why Do You Know That? Welcome to Why Do You Know That, the party podcast that wants to know why you know so much about a very specific topic. I'm Nadia Osman. I'm Steve Slaga. Hi, Steve. Hi, Nadia. Good ha- morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good. No. I'm not gonna. I'm not. No, you're right. You're right. It's too. It's. It's not even that early. <laughs> it's too early to sing "Good Morning." <laughs> um, how are you? How are you getting ready for your cross country road trip back home to oh, Michigan? Um, good. I think I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I leave tomorrow. I'm driving to Michigan. I'm camping in Utah, Colorado, and Iowa. I'm surprising my five-year-old. Well, he'll be tr- I'm surprising him on his fifth birthday. I'm going to text. Nobody knows I'm coming. I'm going to text my sister-in-law and say, Logan's present got delivered. It's on the porch. Have him go get it. And then I'll be on the porch. And like. That's that very sounds- cute. It is. It sounds amazing. It sounds great. It takes 34 hours in a car to make this happen. And I'm just now getting the point where, like, it's, it's, I, the idea of like driving eight hours, four right. days is is starting to hit me. Uh, but you know what I love is this is the first time I've gone home to Michigan where, like, you should see how much shit I've packed. I'm gonna fill my car because, like, why not? I'm bringing home dirty laundry because it's like, <laughs> why not? I'm driving. I have a back seat space. I might as well just do my laundry while I'm home and bring it back. Yeah, uh, also I assume you'll suitcase. I assume you'll be there for a minute because it takes so long to get there. Uh yeah, and, yeah. and it feels like might as well bring all the creature comforts that you have here with you there so that you don't yeah. have to buy new stuff. I think what's happening is like as I because I can bring whatever I want and I'm not limited to carry-ons and stuff like that. I've stuffed a backpack and I've stuffed a suitcase full of clothes. Normally it's like Let's get three shirts in a backpack and I'll just do laundry every three days. And now it's like, I'm bringing my room. Um, So (laughs) there's a lot of theatrics uh, involved in in this preparation, I feel. There's theatrics involved. Theatrics, Steve. Theatrics. That's the segue alert going off. That's as close. That's as close as we're gonna get. Uh, let me bring in our wonderful guest. He's an actor and comedian. You've seen him in Search Party. Please welcome Drew Drogi. Hi everybody. Hi, Hi Drew. Speaking of theatrics, here I come. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um. How how is your quarantine going? And you oh and your God. I've never I've never felt more alive. I've never felt <laughs> richer. I am just so happy constantly. Um, I'm completely lying. Uh, I'm fine. I mean, you know, you go back and forth. It's like different days. I I really miss. I mean, doing social distance, socially distanced hangouts is really helping me i'm finding yes and i'm and i'm finding and i will say i was hearing you steve like i understand the like oh my god i have to get i I, i've never driven cross country i've never ridden cross country i i cannot i've never been in a car that long but i will say like even i took a two-hour trip up to solvang for a wine tasting for a day and it changed i mean like just like leaving your couch and going somewhere and seeing something different Mm-hmm. We'll shake things up in a really great way. Oh, uh, that's uh, good. I, that's good to hear. That's what because like that's the other thing is just a change of scenery. Like I don't plan on staying in Michigan that long because I I'll probably stay at my dad's and I can't listen to Fox News twenty four seven. So I feel like after like two weeks I'll be like ready to go. This isn't one of those like super open ended. I'm just here forever now. But. Right. Uh, but just the idea of waking up and being somewhere else just seems so exciting. Oh, it's it's pretty wonderful. Speaking of stuff that's pretty wonderful. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're talking about our favorite dumb Oscar moments, specifically the uh, 1989 opening number with Rob Lowe. But among, among many others, 
uh, Oscar opening ceremonies. Snow White and Ricky Lake and tables that danced. Yeah. And the The Hollywood stars. (laughs) (laughs) So, Drew, why do you know that? What do I know uh, about the Oscars in 1989? Yeah. Um, Because I'm a homosexual of a certain age who (laughs) loves (laughs) the Oscars to a really sick degree. Like sure. to where I should know better at 43 years old that like, it doesn't matter. It is cra- It's all political, like everything. And then like, you know, you work in the industry and you know, people that are like there and nominated and win every, and it's still like, it's not Oz, but you still, I don't know the kid in me that watched the 1989 Oscars is still kind of like, it's Super Bowl. I'm like, I get so into it and they always get it wrong. I'm always upset by at least one thing. Every year. That's why. That's why when you uh, when you mentioned that you know a lot about the Oscars, I was like, that seems like something Drew would hate. Oh no, I love them. I'm I'm embarrassed how much I love them, <laughs> but I I have an idealized version. But there's always performances that don't get nominated that I'm like upset about. But then things that win, and then I've been watching in quarantine. I've been watching a lot of old movies that I've missed over the years, and they've always been wrong. Like they've never been right. Like you're just like, wait, that won an Oscar and then not the other. Like, it's weird. I mean, like, I just watched In the Heat of the Night because I had never seen that movie. And you're like, Sidney Poitier wasn't even nominated. And 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 uh, what's his name? Um, the white guy won. And he's like, Rod Steiger won and he, for Best Actor. And the movie's not about him at all. And it's like, why, you know, they, they always, they get it wrong every year. Yeah. And then like, I feel when they do get it right, it's only like almost to make up for when they got it wrong before. Like yeah. Renee Zellweger for Cold Mountain. Are you kidding that, me? One that's when we're going to honor Renee Zellweger. <laughs> One of the most like ham-fisted Calamity Jane community theater. <laughs> awful. Like jed clampett like on meth performance and it's like yeah let's give her an oscar for that exactly yeah i mean there's like very obvious ones like crash should have never won a thing and yet here it is winning and it's because you know the way the oscars work with the voting means that like they or like with green book everybody's like how could green book win and it's like well because like a one third of people thought this one third of people thought that it tied and then it act out by 34%. So I guess this shit movie is now declared the best picture. Yeah. Green book is trash. And the problem is that with the system that they have for best picture now with the, the rating, the ranking, the best picture will never win best picture because it's, they give the best picture actually should be least hated. Um, are there beyond just the 1989 Oscars, which we're going to get to in great and grave detail? Are there other moments that stand out for you, Drew, like throughout Oscar history as like, what was that about? Whether that's somebody's outfit or whether that's who won at this point. And especially we, we all remember the La La Land moment or Adele Dazeem. But are there other moments that stick out for you? Right. Um, what like jumps to my mind is I remember um, Amy Madigan's angry face when Elia Kazan won the Oscar um, because, you know, he spoke to the House on American Activities and she was furious. And mm-hmm. I mean, I was so young that I just knew Amy Madigan as like the girlfriend from Uncle Buck. And I was like, why is Uncle Buck's girlfriend so mad in this moment? <laughs> um <laughs> And then the other one that jumps to mind is when Anne Hathaway won her fucking Oscar for that awful movie where she just cried through bad mealy teeth. Yes. She, she got up on stage and she whispered loud enough for the mic to pick her up. Um, she just goes, it came true. (laughs) And I, I knew I, I officially hated her so much. I was like, you're every, girl I did a play with that I hate like you're it so those are those are the two like that popped in my mind that I just was like wow moments yeah I do remember that it came true and just being like I don't want to dislike you but you're making me barf She's ultimate it's, theater girl, and even if she's a good actor, it's still like her her ultimate theater girlness 
can just be so, so off-putting for so many people. It's why people, I mean, I really think there's a visceral reaction to her that I, I'm not even proud of my dislike because I like, I, 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 I don't, first of all, I don't love like just shitting on someone, but she, she, she asked for it. And it's like, yeah, like it's that person that we all grew up with who, you know, freaks out when they make an A minus or when they, you know, and that's not, you know, to me, I have a thing. I like flawed and messy actors. I don't like flawless actors. I think they're boring. And so, and, and she's actually been good in certain things. I, I hated Les Mis and I thought what she did was really, really not quality and not deserving of an award at all. But she's been great in other things. It's just that she ruins her own goodwill by acting so like oh my gosh oh shucks it's just Mm -hmm. like ew and also like you're you're like 35 isn't she like 35 like you're an adult like be grown up like be like you're not a child who's sitting around going oh my god i you know boo yeah uh steve what about for you what oscar moments stick out in your mind um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone showing up in dresses. The J- they show yeah. up in uh, J Lo and uh, um, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's famous dresses. My only note was I wish they would have had like I wish their gowns would have matched. Like I wish there was like a a theme that like cohesively matched their gowns together instead of being J-Lo from the Grammys for one year and Gwyneth Paltrow from the Oscars another year. I wish they could have found a way to like. Be, I don't know, like kind of match them together. But I really liked that because I was like, that's what a way to like show up to the Oscars and be like, I care enough to get dressed up, but I also realize this is bullshit enough to get dressed up in a gown. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of like when Bjork, when Bjork laid those eggs and she dressed like a swan. Yes. I love that too. Yes. It was pretty wonderful. I think that's what led Margaret Cho to say once that she was like, I, the the trick to uh, getting red carpet coverage is dress up like a bird. Yeah. And so she was like, if I'm ever invited to something, and I forget what award she ended up at, but she dressed like a peacock or something. And uh, fashion critics railed against it. But I was like, she's right. Dress up like a bird and you will own the red carpet. Nobody forgets Bjork's swan dress. Nobody forgets that. It's iconic. Nope. Yep. Uh, uh, and the other one I always think of is because um, uh, 1999, I feel, was like a huge year. Uh, I, yeah. I, 1999 is just my favorite year of all time. And that was the year of Roberto Benigni. Um, well, I will always Whoa. remember because I like I just remember everyone just being like, who is this? Who's this man? <laughs> What's yes. crawling over the seats? Why is crawling he crawling over everyone? the seats and being crazy at the whole thing? I know. Yeah, yeah. Why is he screaming? Yeah, those are the ones I. Yeah, and then the, who like wasn't well, like like that was the year that like Ian McKellen should have won for Gods and Monsters, which I watched recently again, and it's an incredible performance. And the fact that Ian McKellen doesn't have an Oscar on the long list of people who don't have them, versus like, you know, the clown concentration camp movie that he was in. <laughs> Oh. Um, oh, also that time that Seth MacFarlane sang that whole song about we saw all of your boobs, uh, which is like so cringy. So it was uh, so bad. So bad. It was so upsetting. I remember when it, it happened, I was like, this is so wrong for the moment. And why? I mean, I know people love him. And I, again, I don't think I'm not into not to bring this up into like cancel culture, but like not that he should be canceled, but it's like. Yeah, that's a moment. Like, why aren't we talking about that? Just as a corrective of, like, did that get... I mean, I guess people were upset at the time. That was 2013. That was not that long ago. I know. And some of the movies that he was like, we saw your boobs, like, Jodie Foster in The Accused or whatever. And you're like, do you remember what that movie is about? (laughs) Like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah really really bad yeah like this is the academy also, I, awards <laughs> we're celebrating i, I also art. thought i i do i think he's really funny that he was a terrible host for the oscars because he had no respect for movies and why i don't like ricky gervais as a host for golden globes either is that they seem to like really genuinely hate the oscars and i mean 
or the Golden Globes, like they, they seem to have a disdain. And you can't go into a, a show, it's just like doing an improv when you're just like, I'm gonna hate everything. I'm gonna be negative about everything. It's not fun to watch and it's not, you can't go anywhere. And the Oscars do, you need to buy into the bullshit a little bit if you're gonna host it. You need to be a little bit like, look how mad, that's why Billy Crystal is so good because he, you, you get the sense that, you know, he loves them. He like wants to be in every movie. It's why he does those, those amazing, you know, montages at the beginning of all of his hosting. Yes. And it's, here's the thing. Are award shows kind of bullshit? Yeah. So are yeah. a lot of things. All awards are bullshit. Like the fact that we as humans decide to award accolades to other humans for existing and or doing good job at fill in the blank is dumb. But also it's fun. It's a, it's a fun, silly way to celebrate things. Yeah. Uh, and and our celebrity culture is so out of control that like, yeah, we're going to invest heavily in this moment. So don't be a jerk and just like uh, uh, blow it off entirely because people are at home and there's, there's also these little kids at home. It's like, like you said, right. you're sitting there and you're nine and this is a big bright world to you that you don't have access to otherwise. So don't take that away from the children. Think of the ch children. Think of the children. Think of the, think of, you know, nine year old how old was i an 80 out of 12 i don't know how old i am uh like watching the oscars and just being like it's magical and yeah you took the job you said yes to the gig you have to kind of buy into it a little bit and be like at least pretend to be happy to be there um yes yeah and if you yeah. and if you're not going to pretend to be happy then you need to wear what Cher wore in 86 you need that whole headpiece and the showgirl yeah. outfit like if you're if you're not going to take it Mackie. seriously Yes, then then you have to really not take it seriously. Right. Uh, you said earlier, and I've heard it before, I used to have a I used to disagree when people would say, Oh, it's like our Super Bowl. And I used to disagree and think, well, no, because the Super Bowl is very like you are better than the other team, so you win. Whereas the Oscars, it's just all political and it's not really based on merit most of the time. And then I thought, actually, right. no. That makes it even more the equivalent of what Hollywood's Super Bowl would be. Because if we had a Super Bowl, it would be political and not based on merit. Absolutely. So. Of course. And it's also just like the adrenaline of like hearing the five nominees. And there's always the chance that there can be an upset. Even when you know who's going to win, that, that adrenaline rush of like, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? And you know, collectively, like, not only everyone watching it, but like those five actors or those five cinematographers or, you know, uh, makeup artists or whoever, whatever category are all like, don't know either. So it's like, it's, it's exciting, you know, to watch for that reason. Absolutely. Yeah. You also don't know if Jack Palance is going to do push-ups <laughs> to prove a point, which is so weird. I love him. I love him. What a, what a, <laughs> that was an amazing moment. Yes, he's just like, nobody Nobody thinks I can do it. Let me do it here. And you're on this global stage. Uh, cinema is an international commodity. So anything that you say or do up there is going to be seen worldwide, which I think is what adds to the stakes. Like the Super Bowl itself, the NFL is like a uniquely American thing. It's not like NFL moments get replayed in other parts of the country. Not even like other, you know, let's say uh, sports leagues or like if there's something in an NBA championship, basketball's more of a global thing. But like even then, unless it's like some crazy feat that's almost uh, Olympian, you're not really going to see people sharing that, but you are going to see people sharing Oscar clips the next day and years and years and years after. Mm hmm. Oh, I, I love it. I've never thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. And oh. th that's I, why it matters. It matters whether you take that moment to decide like, okay, I'm going to use this to be political or I'm going to use this to be, um, I think it was it Liz Taylor who just said, I want to say thank you. And then she left. Perfect. Oh, wow. I think she was actually mad because it was, she got an Oscar for a film that she didn't think she did well in, but didn't get an Oscar Butterfield nomination eight. for... Yes, but she like I think been, it was Who's Afraid of yeah. Virginia Woolf where maybe she didn't get it, and so she it did, was very passive-aggressive. No, she did get it for uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf later, but I think... Yes. Okay. I, I, don't remember, I don't know when she said the thank you thing, but I know she's been nominated, I think, four or five years in a row for Best Actress and never won and then she finally won for that like kind of garbage movie where she played a hooker 
And I think she was like, oh, well, now you're going to give it to me. But again, that's like a career achievement because it was like she had been nominated, you know, um, I know for I think Giant, she was nominated. And like, I think she was nominated for Suddenly Last Summer, which is insane. I highly recommend watching for all the wrong reasons because it's so campy. And I think Catherine um, Hepburn and Elizabeth Taylor were both nominated for that movie, which is crazy because they're both bananas in it. Um, That's but, you know. wild. Is it as good, then, it, uh, is it as, good as uh, her performance in Boom? Oh, boom <laughs> is another amazing trashter piece that, I mean, I love watching Elizabeth Taylor because even when she's, when she's bad, she's so fun to watch. I mean, she's, I mean, she is one of my favorite actors to watch because when she, when she's great, like in Virginia Woolf, you know, um, she's, she's phenomenal, but I love, she just goes for it. Um, I also love that she, to be like the most beautiful woman in the world, she loved to like, or she allowed herself to look older in movies like she would age up like in giant she's um, she's playing much older yeah. um and in boom too i think she's supposed to be much older and richard burton's supposed to be much younger uh the whole idea was that he was this young cad that was moving into this rich old lady and he was i think older than her maybe yeah. i don't know could be wrong about that but like it yeah it was a strange um you know strange time but this is awesome. Never not watchable. And like, I yeah. feel we can all agree when it comes to our entertainment, you can be good. You can be bad. Just keep my attention. And, yeah. and, and, and she does that. Yeah. I, I feel like Sharon Stone's that way. It's like Sharon Stone's an actor that when she's bad, she's so fun to watch. Like, what is she doing? And then, <laughs> you know, she's done casino and basic instinct. And, um, she, oh my God, she's in this movie about the, uh, Amanda Seyfried about Linda Lovelace. I think it's called Lovelace. Yeah, about the yeah. woman who was in um, Deep Throat. Yeah, which went nowhere. But I saw it. I saw it at Sundance because I'm very uh, connected in the indigenous. Mm. Um, no, but I remember seeing it at like eight o'clock in the morning, and and you know before any of the buzz. And the woman and, and Sharon Stone's unrecognizable in this in this Lovelace movie. She's so good. And had the movie done better, she would have gotten an Oscar nomination for that movie too. She's great in Bobby. Like she's great in certain things. And then you're like, she's like bonkers and other things, but she's always watchable. Yeah. yeah. If you aren't keeping my attention, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. There's, I'm trying to think of people where it's like, they're definitely, Marissa Tomei always keeps my attention. No I matter love what she's her. doing. Mm-hmm. That was another I moment. Uh, was yes. That, yeah. That was a- that was a huge upset. That because that's when Jack Palance read her name, right? Yeah. Did he read? Yes. And they were thinking he misread it. And now we know, in the age of La La Land and Moonlight, that he read it correctly because they would have had a retraction if he didn't. But it's it's so insulting to her that she didn't deserve. Because I think she completely deserved credit for her performance in My Cousin Benny. I think she was Absolutely. great. Absolutely. And you know, like. Yeah, Judy Davis, that was also nominated, who's amazing and deserves an Oscar every time she speaks. Sure. And there were, I think there was someone else too, but it was like, but Marissa Tomei, like, she's proven herself time and time again. I mean, The Wrestler and Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. And she's, oh, in the bedroom. I mean, like, she's turned in phenomenal performances. Like, she so deserves to be, like, on that stage with, with fellow winners. Um, but I think because it's a comedy, people go, oh, well, that's not deserved. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, she totally deserved it. Uh, the, the one time where I'm like, well, no, I was going to say. Are you going to talk about the time Marissa Tomei didn't deserve it? (laughs) (laughs) No, because she did. It's more about like. Everybody getting political is to me when I go, okay, maybe they shouldn't have deserved this, but it's not because they didn't deserve the award. It's just like, oh, I didn't need to see this moment. But it's not even about the political of it. It's just like when people get up there, or, you know, it's, it's the Anne Hathaway of it all. Like something that I was trying mm-hmm. to think of was, um, and then I had to look it up because I, I, I was blanking. It was Julia Roberts and like Denzel wins for training day, right? Great uh-huh, movie. Uh-huh. He's amazing in it. And he's great in that, yeah. 
they've known each other for a long time and she opens the envelope and then she says, I love my life before calling his name. Oh and my she, God. Like, <laughs> That's crazy. him and is giving him this big hug. And she's basically making it about her as opposed to just like, Oh yeah. my God, dead cell Washington. And then just being like, yeah. you get this big moment. Have fun. Yeah, Have you're fun taking, with your big you're moment. making this moment all about you. Yes. I love my life. That's disgusting. <laughs> So gross. I love my life that I get to know before there anyone in the world, including Denzel. Yeah. That I get to present this word and I, me, me, I, me, me, I, me, me, I. So it's not that people aren't deserving of the awards that they win. It's that there are people that are undeserving of presenting those awards to people because (laughs) they make it about them. I have to say, and this is, I'm just going to have to say this because it's on my mind and I don't care, whatever. Uh, but like Leslie Jones reading the Emmy nominees, I feel the exact same way because she so favored like people that she liked when she read off. And then she was mispronouncing like she she got the name of, you know, uh, certain shows wrong and she was stumbling over things. And then when she liked somebody, she's jumping up and down. And it's like, that's not your function right now. This is these are people's like lives and they're waiting to hear you know, and it's like, I'm sorry that you've never heard of the Kaminsky method, but it's it's in three seasons on Netflix. And like, learn how to say that because you know it's going to be nominated. Like, yeah. she stumbled over the title of the show and then she's jumping up and down for other people. And it's like, ew. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it's really tacky. Have some respect for the establishment. Yeah, please. I, I completely agree with that. And also just read it, read it. Like, it's not yeah. about you. I mean, I think yeah. that's the point. It's not about you in this moment. It's about the people who, who are nominated or winning. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, just talking about, like, having some respect, I think that the fucking bit of James Corden and Rebel Wilson dressing as cats and Awful. making fun of cats, I was so mad because also those two, the worst I saw Cats twice. I have no qualms with the movie Cats. I think no, it was made I love exactly Cats. how it's supposed Cats to be made. I but, 100% agree with you. And like, if they would have come out and been dressed as Cats and been like, we're owning this, that's one right. thing. But instead, right. you're throwing the post-production under the bus, who we all know the Cats looked awful because Tom Hooper didn't know what the fuck he was doing with post-production, exactly. didn't give them enough time to make them Cats, and he didn't put dots on their faces so they would know where the faces go on the fucking cat bodies. Now we're going to put two people on stage and have them make fun of the people who could have made it look good but weren't given the time or money. Uh, thank you. 100%. I'm so glad. I'm so glad they got in trouble for that and that people called them out for that because, again, it's like, you know, the actors can come off smelling clean. It's like, yeah, like, own it. Also, like, they're the two worst things in Cats. Like, yeah. as bad as Cats was, like, at least, you know, you had, like, Idris Elba having fun. At least mm. Ian McKellen was having a good time. You know, um, at least Jennifer Hudson like went for it and like gave a, a crazy but a pretty great performance in that insane thing they made her do. Yes. And like even even Taylor Swift was better than Rebel Wilson and James Corden. Like they they are they are so vanilla, both of them. For them to make, try to think that they have any like like edge to like make fun of a thing there and they do they do not deserve it like (laughs) no and that's the other thing is like uh, for me what makes an oscar moment cringy or awkward is when you are mocking the the something but it's not coming from a place of good fun or good nature or goodwill it's coming from a place of snark and hate or something yeah yeah and it's like you have to remember that was somebody's job. It takes yeah. a village. It takes a village to make anything. Even when somebody puts up some like very bad short on YouTube or something like that, that still took people. Anytime anybody yep. makes anything, it's miraculous. So to just immediately shit on these people just feels so it's it's so fucking rude. There was another moment that was like this is more cringy. I don't know if it's necessarily mocking the makeup artistry but uh ben stiller do you remember it was like i, think I was, was gonna say ben stiller every time he goes up 
Ben Stiller, exact same, exact same thing. Yeah. There was one time with with uh, when Avatar came out, Avatar one, because in future recording or you know in the future yeah. it'll be Avatars two through eighteen. Um, he came up and he started oh, speaking it, Navi, so he was dressed up like uh, a Navi creature from. Oh, the movie Avatar. And then he started trying to speak Navi and it just felt like how these, these this is a fake a fake thing and yet you're somehow being racist. Yeah. <laughs> I just think save all that save all the goofiness for the MTV movie awards. That's where you yeah. can do that kind of stuff. Yes. But like you were in cats. You got paid a lot of money. You are a movie star on the stage at the Oscars. You do not now also get to join us in making fun of cats because I right. never, none of us ever thought cats would be good from the second they were like, we're doing a cats movie. Actually we're, we're indefinitely postponing making a wicked movie so we can fast track cats. They gave cats the original wicked opening day and none of us ever, as this continued to become a thing, none of us were ever thinking cats was going to be good. So this whole, but like we're in on it now. Fuck you. Well, and what I don't get is that, like, I, for my money, Cats is so much better than Les Mis, than the, yes. um, the King's Speech, than anything else that Tom Hooper ever made, because at least it's fun to laugh at. His other movies are dreck, and they just sit there, and you have to just watch these weirdly framed actors, and, do this, and it's like, we give those movies Oscars, and all of a sudden, like, I'm like, well, then, and again, you know, opinions are like assholes, but it's like, Cats is like, is so bonkers it's it's really fun it's fun to watch and it's one thing like it's cool to be a good sport and like go to the razzies and accept your award you know like like sandra bullock and halle berry have done over the years and like they they win a razzie the night before they win an oscar and that's i think that's like showing like you're in on it and going because you don't know when you're making a movie like if it's gonna be good or bad and my god i've been in so many terrible <laughs> like so i and you don't know when you're making it like oh this is going to be awful so yeah like you know just embrace it in a, in a way that like you know when you're but when you're going out there yeah it's it's um it just you, you don't get away clean like look i knew what i was doing it's like no we saw the movie you didn't do you guys feel like if somebody gets political on stage that that's a good thing or a bad thing? Because I'm okay with political so long as the political is kept, the message is, is clear and kept short. I think the issue is that sometimes people want to get up and they want to talk about several things when they either, I think it's always helpful to try to connect it to the thing that they're being awarded for. And if not, that's fine, but they need to figure out some way to... Uh, make it short and sweet. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think like it's your platform. Um, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a problem. I think it's all context. I think it depends on who says it. I mean, like, like, you know, yes, I agree with like how it's framed. Um, and I think, you know, actors are all often like, you know, given a lot more platform and that they sort of drink their own Kool-Aid and they think that their opinion is more interesting and valid. And they sometimes, even when I agree with what they're saying, I'm like, sometimes going, you didn't need to, you didn't add anything to the conversation or like, you know, like if we had had, we did have Oscar. Oh my God. Can you believe we had Oscars this year? I feel like oh we haven't God. had anything this year, but we did have Oscars in February, but it's the thing where I, I felt like it was, you know, it would have been pointless to get up at the Oscars this year and be like, Trump sucks. It's like, yeah, we all agree that like, everyone, except for John Boyd, who probably wasn't invited, all think. Yeah. That. So it's like, I th you're, you're just, yeah. who cares? Like you would say that, you know, you're not really further. We all know. That. Like you're yeah. right. We're, versus the, we're like, the Oscars. We know. Versus yeah. like Marlon Brando sending a native American activist or like Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins being like there are Haitian HIV victims being held at Guantanamo Bay. And what the hell are you doing with these refugees? Like when you point out something that like, wait a minute, we weren't thinking about that. Then I feel like you're getting yeah. to use your platform for good. Or like, even if you're pointing out something that feels a little, not repetitive, but like, well, we know, like, uh, 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 Miss Arquette and the whole, like, we need to figure out the female wage gap or inclusion. I thought that was Francis great. I thought what Patricia Arquette said was, was great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's a good example of like, she knew she wanted to thank these people. She pulls out her sheet. She says, here are the things that I want to say, and then I'm going to get out of here. And she doesn't make it 
uh, long. She doesn't go on a diatribe. She's not like using this as a political stump speech. She's using this as a moment to be like, let me talk about this one thing real quick. All right, thanks. Well, and I also think she's genuine. I mean, I I don't know her, but she seems like the anti-Anne Hathaway to me in every way. Like she seems, she's been so, uh, I mean, I, I just know her with her track record. I mean, she's been so pro LGBT right forever. She's been pro women's like equality. Also it was connected to the movie she won for. It was in the moment. She's been very, like she really does put her money where her mouth is. And I think it was like, she felt compelled to use the platform to just to like, speak her truth, but I also, it felt very in line with who she is. Like, it didn't feel like a grab for attention or like people will like me if I say this. It was more like, this is, this is important. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, that's how you do it. You don't get up there and you don't go on a long rambling thing. You don't Michael Moore it where you're like, even if what he's saying is accurate, even if what he's saying is important, He's just sort of like going off the top of his head, like, know what you're going to say. You prepare. Just be prepared. Yeah. An actor prepares. <laughs> Michael Moore, the actor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I walked right into that one. Um, I know. No, but I agree with you. I agree with you. Or th- th- Nadia thing thinks I- that sicko is fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Bowling for <laughs> Columbine. This is just making oh. shit up. Columbine isn't a bowling alley. Uh, 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 what about when Richard Gere got banned? He basically went off that tirade that was like uh, human rights in China and the mistreatment of Tibetans, and then he encouraged audiences to... Uh, he, it was basically taking down... What, what is the, the politician's name? Deng Xiaoping in Beijing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, right. And then apparently he got banned? from the Oscars and then everybody forgot. So 20 years later, he was asked back. Oh. <laughs> yes, he was a uh, band. Uh, uh, he uh, did it while announcing the nominees in 1993. Wow. That's well, so- that's an example of like, you know, not the time to do that. Like, you know, it's like you're yeah. reading the nominees and I get where like, we even when we agree with what you're saying, this isn't your place to do that you know it's like we're we're all way you know also i mean i think too like from a producer standpoint they're thinking like the show is notoriously five and a half hours long so like cut it like get to the point like read the nominees yeah another example of when it was done well i think is i don't necessarily love him but sean penn winning as harvey milk and then him connecting it to prop eight in california and basically being uh-huh. like hey yeah because it was very much of the time yeah for right sure. and that's like a great example of like hey you've made a film about something that's important let's talk about the well and harvey milk would have said that like i yes. mean you know that's that's where harvey milk would have been so it, yeah very much so absolutely um here's the thing none of these cringe moments not no, no matter how many times john travolta is going to mispronounce a name nothing nothing tops the 1989 oscars uh oh. drew will you walk us through some of the highlights of that yeah now this is off the top of my head because i have it i've really studied this in a while but i did watch the opening um, a year or two ago. So it's kind of, it's fresh adjacent, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I will say, to our point about Sharon Stone and Elizabeth Taylor, I'll take the 1989 Oscars over many other years when it was just boring. Because it was not boring. Um, but what I can recall from this, it, um, first of all, it was produced by Alan Carr, who was a very famous uh, producer. He produced Grease. Uh, and blew up, and and then he went on to do Grease 2 and Can't Stop the Music, <laughs> which, if you're asking what's that, I highly recommend Googling Can't Stop the Music, starring the Village People and Steve Gutenberg and Bruce Jenner. Um, and uh, anyway, he then later did the, uh, produced the Oscars, and it sort of ended his career. It was a very tragic thing. It, it, it broke him. Uh, but he wanted this crazy, over-the-top show in which Snow White... <laughs> came out um so an actress had to be like snow white in the audience and she was kind of like an usher and sort of brought us into the show and then there was some really talk about cringeworthy bit with rob lowe on stage and then there was a number where they brought out the stars 
from yesterday, like all these old, and I was like, Dorsey Lamour and, you know, Sid Charisse or whoever was around, Fred Astaire, I think it was that. And they, they brought them out and then like, they had dancing tables. I remember that like there were dancers that were dressed like tables that danced. It's a very and Be then, Our Guest. Very Be Our Guest. And in, in like a year or two before that movie, right? Mm-hmm. It was pre- uh, Beauty and the Beast, I believe. Uh, it was. It inspired then, it, probably. <laughs> sure. Um, and then the other thing I remember was later in the show, they had all the, like, stars of tomorrow. And it was, like, Ricky Lake and um, uh, a lot of the current, like, heartthrobs uh, doing, like, oh, Corey Feldman doing, like, a Michael Jackson impression. And they did this long number with all of these people i want to say like coronemic and like whoever else was like you know the thing in 1989 marley and matlin did, like, a, i think was in there and uh holly holly robinson pete holly robinson pete yes um and they did like a number about like being use be useful and like it was just uh oh it was just a it was a huge mess and then a bunch of celebs uh wrote a letter to basically shame Alan Carr and that that sadly like what a lot of people claim there's an amazing documentary that uh Jeffrey Schwartz made a great documentary called uh um the fabulous Alan Carr I want to say and um Mm -hmm. and it's all about that and it basically killed him essentially which is like you I mean you weathered Greece too (laughs) which I think it's better than Grease 1. Agreed. I fucking love Grease 2. Uh, th- that's yeah, just facts. That's just facts. But yeah, it was a huge flop. I mean, it was because Grease was, I mean, he basically convinced all these I mean, investors and stuff to make Grease. Like uh, he made that, I mean, that was a crazy business move that he did. And then it just kind of all the 80s hit and it was like cocaine and you know maxwell caulfield and the village people and it was like goodbye (laughs) i mean the thing is like this is exact you hired alan carr to produce the oscars this it's the same with cats that is exactly what i would expect a live action cats movie to be because cats is an insane musical this is alan carr delivered exactly what you asked for when you asked him to do this i hate that i hate when that happens Mm-hmm. Like, here's what you, you want me to do in a happen, you know, like, uh, with, I feel like I haven't saw it with, I don't follow, I don't watch any of the you movies. Know if, you know, if you had Ryan Murphy produce the Oscars next year, you know, he would roll out Sarah Paulson dressed as an Oscar. That would, mm-hmm. he would oh my God, oh, yes. start that way. And <laughs> yeah. she'd be all in. She'd be nude. She'd be full shaved. Head. Oh, 100%. She, she'd be all in. And she'd then, be getting yeah. gold dust out of her eyes for weeks. <laughs> I love Ryan Murphy. I love I, I, what I love about Ryan. No, I don't. Okay, start over. I love what Ryan Murphy is able to get actors to do. Um, <laughs> I watch every season of American Horror Story. I always check out his programs. I don't always finish the, uh, the seasons of his shows, but I just love being like, man, you got you got Kathy Bates to just be a head on a plate that Gabourey Sweetay's yeah. just carrying around a graveyard. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The fact that, like, since you hired Alan Carr, what did you think was going to happen? Did you not think he was going to have Merv Griffin come up and sing, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts? That's insane. Of course <laughs> he's going to do that. Do you think that, uh, you know, What's crazy is the Rob Lowe of it all in this performance, because at that point, Rob Lowe didn't have the longest career. He was mostly known for what? St. Elmo's Fire. And he had sex with the teenager, which come on, Rob, Jesus Christ. And so like, yeah, like this bootleg tape and St. Elmo's Fire are the only things that people really know him for. So he's going to go out there and then sing a version of Proud Mary. (laughs) Oh, that's what it was. did Proud Mary with Snow White. Yes. But come we, on. How, how, like, wh- how John Waters can you get? I mean, I love it. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. If John, um, he won't ever do it, but I would love to see John Waters produce the Oscars. I have a oh feeling God. that they wanted to get, like, Whistle While You Work or, like, Hi Ho, Hi Ho or, like, something and they couldn't with Disney. And last minute, they're like, well, Proud Mary. <laughs> Proud Mary. But also, 
also like why like not there was no why to any of it also if you google snow white it came out in 1938 not mm-hmm. 1939 so it wasn't even the 60th anniversary of snow white it was the 61st you know of that movie and it's not even like Snow White was a big Oscar. I mean, I guess it was the first animated live action like feature yeah. for Disney, but it was like, who cares? Like, you're not even doing like, oh, it's 1989. That's also 1989 was the 50th anniversary of Hello, The Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, you know, like huge movies that you could have tapped into. But no, let's just have Snow White and the sex tape guy do Proud Mary. <laughs> Because it's mad libs up here. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. When I was reading about it, I realized this might be the the key to answering why so mad libby. And it's because Carr asked Steve Silver, who created Beach Blanket Babylon, to write the opening number. And you guys know what Beach Blanket Babylon is? No, but I... Of course. Sounds like I should. Uh, I mean... yeah, it's the longest running. It was a show in San Francisco. It's like a it's like yeah. a on stage drag. Uh, I've never seen it, but apparently it's like there's apparently there's like a hairdresser character in it, and it's a very like campy, draggy show that just yes. closed a few years ago. And it's been running since the '80s. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, I remember reading about it in Tales of the City when I was a kid, and I was like, "Oh, what is this? <laughs> you can pay money to go see this kind of show." And then I think I watched. Yeah. Later, and that's why I'm the way I am. But uh, I was about to yeah. say, that, like, let's just completely gloss over Nadia. I remember when I read Tales of the City as a kid. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I I I gave myself a, an extremely LGBTQ education at a very young age, and no one prompted it. I was just like, "What's this on the bookshelf?" And I was like, "I'm into it." Um, the the Isn't that I, weird what we like gravitate towards as children, and we go, "Oh, I I just I need this." I need yes. to see, I need to know this. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Same with like everything divine did. I was like, what is this? Oh. I, need, I need more. And, and I'm like, yeah, well that 100%. explains why I am the way I am. Um, yeah. but the fact that beach blanket Babylon was like the thing that this guy was known for, I'm like, well, no wonder he was basically doing drag review for the, the 10 minute Oscar ceremony opening ex- without realizing like, you know, you are broadcasting this to a national audience, an international audience, if you will. And it might need to make more sense. It's on a bigger stage. You might need to have more of a storyline or a through line or something related to the movies and not just a character from a fairy tale from 61 years ago. Like, once <laughs> I read that, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I get it now. Uh, anytime yeah. something like this happens, that's very like th- everything seems to just be we're throwing everything against the wall. It always reminds me of the Key and Peel sketch where their brains they're like coming up with Gremlins too, and there's just oh, a mound what, uh, of cocaine, and they're genius. just like an electricity Gremlin, and, and and it goes in phones. Like I I, I yeah. always think of that. Like and that I feel that's the same brainstorming session for for this opening number. Yeah, well, how many people talk about the '80s? They were like it was cocaine. We came up with that high on coke and we were just like this will work this will do it it's genius because you really do think that when you're on coke like <laughs> i am god yeah, i'm connected right here we go somewhere um, uh, somewhere on, during a coke binge they came up with a sax break and then dread dancers would come out as carmen miranda and it's like that makes absolute sense <laughs> when you're on coke. that makes so much sense when you're on coke but like it, it doesn't make any sense once you see it visually at all no <laughs> there's no connection to anything it's perfect it's perfect camp people yep. are too hard on this thing it's perfect camp but i will i'll take that in a year over ellen ordering pizzas yeah that was the most <laughs> uninspired moment i was like you're literally ordering a pizza we have to watch this happen yeah how far we fall it that you know? big old and it's selfie like, Everybody's just oh. pulling out hundreds out of their wallet. I'm like, you all carry that much cash with you? Fuck you. You guys carry cash, <laughs> period? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's to 2000 the Oscars? something. Oh, I'm always very, I'm very cash rich. I'm, oh, I'm always. Oh, well, I'm make very... sure you have exact change because there is a coin shortage. <laughs> Oh, yeah. uh, that that Ellen ordering pizzas. I don't, Nadia, you might have been at it, but there was a UCB bit show that was like 
making fun of the Oscars and I was Ellen. And instead of ordering everyone pizzas, I ordered everyone at UCB one Subway sandwich. I remember this. And I made the audience (laughs) and I made the whole first row like rip off a piece of the sandwich and pass it along. Oh my God. It was disgusting, but very funny. (laughs) Um, uh, something that struck me is when I was reading more about, uh, so her name is, uh, Ellen Bowman. She was, uh, picked out of obscurity to be the Snow White on this telecast. And, yeah. uh, uh, they, they took her to Alan Carr's house to audition. And she says, yep. I remember his swimming pool had pink water in it. I mean, Whatever. come on. <laughs> yes. Gorgeous. Exactly. God, why aren't more co- why aren't more pools colored? <laughs> that was that was my first question. This I'm just like I wish what Alan Carr had done instead is filmed like a um a a huge MGM a synchronized swimming number oh, in yeah. this pool and then showed that and then opened to the Oscars. Like I would love I would love if that could happen. That would be wonderful. And and I was just like, a pink pool, come on. Why didn't you show that? I get it. Yeah. It's his house. He doesn't want everybody to see it. But like, come on. And he on. had caftans on display. Like his house is amazing. And then like downstairs was this really this Bacchanalian like bar situation. Like, I mean, and Brett Ratner lives there now and apparently has kept all of it. And there's like, there's like mosaics of like, like men having sex with each other and he's like kept all of it. He's like, and which I think is great. Like I would not yeah. think he would be like, keep it all. But that's the first time I've ever been like, Oh, that's a cool thing. Brett Ratner did. <laughs> no. Right. I know that in the family, man. <laughs> yeah. That's a family man. The other thing <laughs> that made me, this one made me sad though, is that she, it was her first after job because it's before SAG after so separate union, and she was paid scale three hundred fifty a week. So she oh got paid three hundred fifty a week to put up with this insanity, and then basically have to sign a gag order and never get to do anything again. Um, God, there's a quote from Mar- Martin Lando said. Um, Cause yeah, there's this Hollywood reporter uh, article from a couple years ago and Martin Landau tells THR, she had a look on her face. If I remember correctly of pain. Oh no. And then they, as the sketch bombed for an agonizing 15 minutes, dancing tables, wackily recreated the post prohibition coconut grove nightclub. Merv Griffin singed. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts and a befuddled parade of decrepit screen stars emerged before Lowe took the stage as Snow White's date. I mean, 15 minutes. That's <laughs> I like, love a, that's a choice. Like, that's, that's like two Quibi episodes. <laughs> like that's, that's a long time. Just to, to have all this, to have this whole production and to be like, well, there's just nothing that we can cut. <laughs> right, exactly. We need it all. If we take out Merv My- Griffin, it all, it, it's a Jenga tower. <laughs> the souffle yeah. collapses. <laughs> Yeah, my notes are no notes. Keep going. <laughs> There's this other moment where apparently Bob Mackie just said out loud, like, why am I making a Snow White outfit? Which is... <laughs> I mean, I think it sums it up, right? Just why am I... Why? Why am I doing this? And another moment is apparently she said, um, I was told not to go to Robin Williams in the audience because God knows what he would do. Well... Uh, not wrong. I mean, it's also 1989 and it's cocaine and it's yeah. Robin Williams. So, yep. Yeah. And so is she just like apparently ran down the aisle because, uh, she needed to go out into the audience to do something and says, I'll go to Kevin Klein, but they were sitting one row apart. So she ended up accidentally going to Robin anyway. And then like ran away from him. And I'm just like, this poor woman was not paid enough. She was not paid enough oh, to but, have this, the weight of the world. Can you imagine, like how, like how uncomfortable, like how terrifying that is, and like I, this is why I mean we're really like the grossest part of our business. It's like we're going to make this unknown person for three hundred and fifty dollars run up to these stars who she's probably intimidated by. I'm sure she's a huge fan of them. Um, this is the year that Kevin Klein won for a fish called Wanda, which he's brilliant in, and like absolutely should have won. But you're like. 
So you're making them go up to that. It's not fair for those actors who are also nervous and are trying, like they're nominated for awards. You're going to have some Snow White person run up to them. That's not fun for them. They have to, the camera's on them. They have to pretend like they're having a great time, but they don't know what bit's about to happen. They know it's going to be shared forever, especially if it's bad. And then, you know, it's just awful across the board. Like no one wins, you know? Yeah. Um, I think we, the viewers, win. And another winner um, is <laughs> yeah. the is the man who bought that dress for $23,000 and was reportedly buried in it. <laughs> oh, my God. I did not know that. <laughs> Honey. Now, that is a choice. Yes. I oh, mean, my God. What a, what a perfect, like, uh, yeah, what a, what a perfect journey for that dress. Also, if that was a <laughs> I hope Mackie's it like, was Snow very ill-fitting and he had to be like, I hope the dress had to be just like cut <laughs> forced over his corpse like oh that's I right was, there was like, a mortician that received this dress yes <laughs> and had to put a body in that dress <laughs> for some reason i pictured that like the man bought it and then died in it <laughs> and they were, <laughs> no, they were <laughs> well you my work in here the is hospital. done yeah he's like i'm dying so i better get the dress on for a well i just spent my last twenty three thousand dollars and i have no money for bills so I'm that's dead. why he died. He couldn't afford his healthcare. Yeah, <laughs> uh, God, just to just to be on stage for that long, suffering f- during this number, it's just uh, you know, my heart goes out to everybody that was involved in, and and not just like people involved in the actual dance number, not even just the like I, I want to be an Oscar winner production number, but the fact that like. Later on, then Walter Matthau and Lucille Ball in her final public appearance had to then right. introduce people. Oof. Like that's your last, last moment is involved with this. They deserve Boy. better. They just deserve better. I I disagree. And I say that, you know what? Adding <laughs> Lucille Ball's last appearance <laughs> to the mix only adds to the, 19, the, the glory of the 1989. Uh, <laughs> I'll say this. Lucille Ball being involved elevates this from just like regular old uh, camp or even like well done camp into stratospherical camp. Like it's it's high <laughs> camp of the highest order. Like when you award people, like it should be the only thing that Susan Sontag wrote about. There should be like a whole chapter in Notes on Camp oh, yeah. about this specific event. I'm shocked nobody did this at the Met Gala. Now that I think about it, if well, they because knew they anything. were intentionally, they were because they were trying the Met Gala. They were trying to do camp, and you can't really do that. I mean, that's yeah. why you know it's like the camp is the unintentional, the the exercise of you're going for greatness and you failed miserably and wonderfully. And we go, Oh my God. And it's why, like, if you were like, let's make a wink, wink, let's have rebel Wilson and James Corden direct cats. It would have been terrible. It would have been boring. Or they would have been trying so hard to be funny or clever. It's, you know, it's like how you get showgirls and mommy dearest because they were going for Oscars, you know? And that's why those movies are great to watch. Cause that's, you know, and that's why I think like, 89 Oscars was trying to be really (laughs) exciting and entertaining and fun. And, you know, um, and the Met Gala was, was um, deliberate and it just felt like I'm watching, like I'm watching like the Rotary Club do drag, you know, you're like, no. (laughs) 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 Um. I, I would be remiss if I didn't include the fact that they wanted Ellen as Snow White to go to the governor's ball with Rob Lowe. And that's where she put her foot down. She said, I'm not going to be your little doll dressed up as Snow White at the governor's ball. So then she went to take her Good costume her. after the number. And apparently Olivia Newton-John was using her blush. Oh, And Olivia Newton-John yeah, just said, how did you ever do that? How did you get out of there in front of so many people and do that? To which I say, Olivia, don't you have your own blush? Get your Can own you blush, ask? Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> you couldn't ask me? You're going to be like, and I, I need to touch up for a hot second. But yes, good for her for not um, succumbing to having to be the laughing stock 
after the event. And, you know, and good for her for not, like, jumping off the Hollywood sign if she did that. Like, <laughs> that's such a, that's such a embarrassing, crazy moment that, you know, yeah. I don't know. And just, like, wow. hung out to dry. Nobody's like, we're so sorry no. we did that to that. We messed up, and, and she took the belt No, exactly. It. It's like, oh, we don't know her. Oh, that's Snow White girl. Oh, that's as they, if she just showed up they, as Snow White. <laughs> they did that to Elizabeth Berkley and Showgirls. They were like, you yeah. know, when they were making that movie, they were telling her she's got to get an Oscar nomination. They were, and he, and Verhoeven was like, now play it like this. Now play it like that. And they edited it like crazy. And then when it bombs, they blamed her for it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you can't, again, talk about interesting. Nomi Malone, you've never stopped watching her. She's fascinating to watch. It's a riveting exactly. performance. You can't say it's boring. And, you know, she's young and she's coming off of Saved by the Bell, where, like, if you learn acting from Saved by the Bell, you know, you're like, broader, more, push out, blow out yeah. the camera bulbs with your acting. You know, it's like she's, she's doing that. I, I, you know, I'll take yeah. her and, you know, any she, day over. She worked boring. very hard in that movie. Like, she acts very yeah. hard in them. Oh, I think the yeah. same thing about Tori Spelling, where it's like, you've got to give her credit. You can see she's trying. You can see she yeah. wants to do this. <laughs> and I loved her show. I loved So Notorious. I thought she was great in that. Yeah. She was, you know, uh, yeah. She was great in Scary Movie too. And I watched the first episode of the 90210, the, the one the recent like meta remake uh -huh. and she's uh -huh. on a plane and a suitcase falls on her head. And I was just like, Oh wow. Tori Spelling's a very gifted physical comedian. Did we know this? We need more. Like she could have oh. a whole show of stuff falling on her head. I, she is, this is, this is her brilliance. <laughs> <laughs> um, Drew, if you were going to get a chance to produce the Oscars, what would you do? Oh my God. That's such a good question. Um, cause I'm such different minds about it because I, I say I'm so conflicted that like on one hand, I would love to try to make an Alan Carr masterpiece, but then to my point about the Met Gala, you can't do that. You right. know, um, yeah, I, I, I think the, the key would be like finding the right host. And I think it's really hard. I think it said a lot when, you know, with the whole Kevin Hart thing happened and then they were like, we don't have anyone. And you're like, it's a very very tricky role. I mean, you know, I think Billy Eichner could do it. You know, there's certain mm. people that I think could do it, but it's, it, you know, I thought Neil Patrick Harris was great. Like, I think it's about finding that right person who, who clearly has passion, who clearly loves movies and, and loves the Oscars. And so, um, and you know, I think, you know, but, it, but it also has to be like fun and exciting. I think, um, I, I love when they give everyone who's nominated, I love when they give them all airtime, like when they just like let everyone get their, give their speeches. And then I don't, we don't need like recaps of every movie. I don't need to see that. Cause like I've seen all the movies, so I don't need to know all that. I honestly like, <laughs> I'm like a Scrooge, but like I usually get annoyed at all the comedy because the comedy is yeah. usually not very funny. Right. So I, I, there's a lot of that stuff that I'm like, cut that bit. Like, no, because I, yeah. I get offended a little bit. I'm like, no, let, let, like, this moment is not really about that. Like, it's, it really is, you know, so I don't know. I, I don't envy anyone who has to produce an Oscar show or host an Oscar show. I think I understand why it's like you get like $5,000 to host the Oscars. I mean, it's like nothing. And you're like, it is the, it is the hardest job because everyone is so, critical of you and like what you're doing you know and you have writers who are writing like these monologue speeches you know and then you get in trouble for what you say or don't say or you know um so i don't know but you know um i, I mean i'd love to see you know lizzo descend from a chandelier oh, and yes. um sing all of the best song nominees um I, th oh, I do think all the musicians, I love when they do the songs from the movies. I do think that's like, that's like the cheesy thing that I really like. Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite part too. Yeah, the live aspect of it, I think it's what scares the people. And I think it's like, you know, as improvisers, we love that. That's what we crave. And like, I think it is why people really enjoy, you know, even reality show, which is obviously just so contrived, but still feels like, People feel connected to what's real in a way. Like they want to know, like, oh, that really just happened in that room. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah. I, I, I'm still imagining Lizzo coming down from a chandelier. Yeah. I love that. Um, me too. I'm kind of thinking like there was that one year where Whoopi Goldberg uh, was the host and she kept coming out in like a bunch of over the top yeah. costumes from all the movies. Yeah. I'd like to see that brought back. But, I like, like that. Ev- what I- but everybody, you have to dress up what like I- your character from <laughs> the movie. Yes. Well, what I like, I, I, well, what I remember, because I remember she did Elizabeth. She did like Shakespeare in Love, Judy Dench, Elizabeth. Um, is that I don't remember she ever commented on it, which I think was the real key. Like she came out in the thing and then just just dry, deadpan. I'm yeah. like, that's how you do it. Like that, yeah. your entrance is funny enough. So didn't Melissa do that too? Didn't Melissa McCarthy do? She came out as something last year or two years ago. And it was so funny yeah. because it was just, it wasn't commented on. It wasn't like, it was like, I got, I know what that is, but you're, I mean, you know, that's also like we're dealing like Whoopi Goldberg, Melissa McCarthy, they're actual comedians. They, they know when to like pull it back and go, okay, I'm going to do the thing, but I'm not going to do the like, Oh, I'm going to just really keep forcing this or I'm going to be mean. I think mean is never the way to go. Yeah. So they, right. Ironic detachment, that kind of like, it's the same with like, you know, we learn it when we learn comedy. Like it's not fun to watch people who don't want to be there or aren't enjoying themselves or, or aren't into it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You have to want to be there or you have to take a lot of cocaine and then think of ideas (laughs) that then you can put up on stage. I love the expression taking cocaine. (laughs) Drew Jerky, thank you so much for coming on. Why do you know that? Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Yeah, I could do this for hours. Of course. I, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug at this time? Um, no, we're in, you know, pandemic and have nothing going on. I don't think I have anything. I don't know. Uh, uh, enjoy life, everyone. <laughs> That's what I'm going to plug. Perfect. And where can people find you on the internet? Oh, I'm on Twitter at Drew Drogi. I'm on Instagram at Drew underscore Drogi. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm easy to find. Not, not like a, well, no, actually, wait, no, Alan Carr's house is in Benedict Canyon, isn't it? Then Brett Ratner's in there now. Yeah. So it's sort of easy to find. Nice try, Nadia. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, tell everyone you know every way you know how. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review, and be sure to go back and listen to our older episodes if you missed them. We talked about some weird stuff. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Why Do You Know That Pod or on Twitter at Why Do You Know Pod. They're different. And if you've got questions, comments, concerns, whatever, be sure to email us at Why Do You Know That Pod at gmail.com. Let's do this again sometime. Uh-huh.